Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Synergen Leadership Podcast. My name is Julian Carl, CEO of Synergen Group, and once again, happy to bring to you another uh, great interview. So in today's episode, I speak with Wendy Dawson, who is the National Brand Manager of a company called Victory Service Officers. It's a great interview from my perspective because Wendy and I uh, go back a long way and we've worked together in different uh, in different forms along our journey. And it was great to catch up with her and really see how she's doing. And I think one key thing that really comes through this interview is the importance of having a really clear goal and target. So the CEO of their business has set some pretty, pretty bold targets. And what that does is allow Wendy in her senior role to really take that and help to drive that through the business allow her to think about how she can influence that. And I, I got the real sense that it was something that she really wanted to be part of. So once again, uh, head over to iTunes, Stitcher. would love to hear what you think. Uh, happy listening. Welcome to the Synergen Leadership Podcast with Julian Carl. Julian speaks with leaders from around Australia to bring you their leadership story and share their insights about being a leader. To further help you build your leadership capability, Julian shares his own insights about leadership and the tools and techniques he uses as a leader. Welcome, Wendy Dawson, to the Synergen Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate you taking the time to be a part of it so that the listeners have some context. Can you share a little bit about the position you're in and the company where you work now? Thank you, Julian, for allowing me to be here. Um, I'm the National Brand Manager for Victory Corporate Service Offices. We're a leading provider in serviced virtual and co-working office spaces. And I guess what separates us apart from our fellow providers is that we tailor our packages to meet the specific needs of our clients. At present, we have 11 locations up and down the eastern seaboard. Um, by Christmas time, we'll probably have added another eight or so to that portfolio, and potentially one of those will be international. So we will be a much more diverse company by the time Christmas comes. And my role at Victory Offices as the national brand manager is really about enhancing and championing our client-centric culture. So that means I'm really focused on the experience that our employees have, but also the experience that we're offering to our clients, because for us, it's all about the client. Uh, Our motto is, we mind your business. So just when we were chatting before we uh, started recording, you were telling me about that interesting fact that I thought was uh, you should share with the listeners. Yeah, we've um, we've actually, in our, we're only four years young, as I keep saying, and in that short period of time, we've actually been able to differentiate ourselves in a very mature market. And one of the things that we've been able to achieve is that we've been on the Australian Fin Reviews Fast 50. So I think we're number 29 on that list. Great achievement. Not bad, not bad. Incredible growth. All right. So I'd like to take you all the way back to your to your very first uh, start of your leadership journey and your very first leadership role. Can you share with the listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, my first leadership role. Wow. That is going back a number of years. Um, I probably won't confess to how many exactly. Um, but I do recall um, I'd started as a recruitment consultant for Lampin, and this was in Auckland, New Zealand. And Lampin was New Zealand's largest privately owned recruitment company. And I was three months into my role when they landed a significant body of work with a government agency, and they asked me to head that up. And bearing in mind, I was a 
quick learner, all of that, but effectively before that I'd really only been sailing across the South Pacific for the previous two years. Um, but my managers had faith in me and they saw my ability to just pull back and work the problem, engage my stakeholders, the clients, but more importantly my colleagues because we really needed to come together on a team effort across three locations to deliver the results for the client. So that was um, that was a massive <laughs> that was a, a massive uh, step up to what I've been doing previously. And what were some of the biggest learnings from from that very first role? Oh, um, that first role. What were some of my mistakes? I would probably say that you know if I even reflect on my career to date. Um, some of the things that I know that I've made is that, you know, not clearly connecting my vision or strategy to the team. Apparently it's just not about where I want to go and you need to take people on board the journey. That was one of the early lessons. Um, a hiring for skill versus cultural fit. How many times have we, we actually thought we could get better out of somebody? Well, no. Hire for culture always. You can teach people skills. It's a bit more difficult to teach people not to be a pinhead. Um, oh, some of the times I guess is being so self-absorbed in the business or working in the business as opposed to pulling back and actually being a leader and working on the business. And um, one of the bigger things would be assuming what motivates me is what motivates other people. You really need to find out what that driver is for an individual because once again it's all about them. And do you think it was during that role that you had a taste of since you've had a taste of leadership and you thought maybe this leadership thing is for me? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I guess I'm probably not too different from a lot of the managers or leaders more specifically that you've been interviewing. Um, we've always probably gravitated towards it at a very early age, whether you're captain of a sports team or on committees in school. And um, I was involved with all of that. So um, I don't know if it's just a natural tendency to take control or want to be involved, but I've always been involved in leadership in some capacity or another throughout my entire life. So for me, it was always just a natural progression. Any thoughts on what sort of impact you had on the people that reported to you during that role? Oh, during that role, my very first one, um, I think it was probably, for me, it was just really about the team, how we were going to get through the, together, because even though I was on point, I was still in the trenches delivering with them, so um, I was probably just had more, more responsibilities than they did, and I had the same amount of deliverables as they did. Um, so in terms of an impact, I think... You know, they probably had a bigger impact on me and, and my um, and my thinking and philosophy as a leader because I just really had to come to terms with, as I said before, leadership is about their development, their engagement, because there's no point saying we're going to go take that mountain and, and uh, if you look back and nobody's walking behind you. How long were you in that role? Uh, that role... That, I was in that for, for a number of months and, you know, with the recruitment industry, there's always something else coming up and, um, and Lampin was, uh, as I mentioned before, one of New Zealand's largest privately owned and uh, one of the more interesting things that came up for my next role was when uh, we had a fierce competitor in the marketplace and we found out one day that the organization that had purchased them had now purchased us. So, and that coincided with um, that, com that competitor having a resignation of one of their managers. So literally the next day I had to go work out of their office, 
be part of their team, go front their clients um, as a member of their organization. And it was it was a real challenge, but um, you know, the more the days rolled on, probably the biggest challenge was really kind of remembering which business card to take out of my pocket. Do you think that was the right move to, for you to go into that role? Um, the, the short answer, if it wasn't going to if it wasn't me, who was it going to be? Um, and whilst there were other people, I guess I'd had enough demonstration in my track record of being able to um, think on my feet and be highly resilient, but most of all, be engaging. And I don't mean you know being able to tell a funny story, um, although that kind of helps at times <laughs> break the ice. Um, but you need to be able to engage your audience, and whether they're a client or a, or an internal collaborator, such as a colleague. So a bit more context around that role, if you can. Yeah, so that was a, that was a national role and um, once again delivering on massive client requirements, large recruitment pieces and um, you know, challenging me to, to learn more about high performance teams and modeling for those teams, recruiting for those teams and probably was one of the roles that gave me some of the most depth and breadth of uh, team composition and thinking about the, um, the, the dynamics of people. Any particular learnings which really stand out for you in that role? I wouldn't say there was a particular learning. Um, I think you know. I think the recruitment industry is an organisation, well, it's an industry, excuse me, that you are constantly learning in because you're dealing with people. You know, and you know, in some ways, you got to make the sale twice. You got to sell the opportunity, you know, the candidate to the client, and the the opportunity to the candidate. Um, but you can never assume that you are a master at recruitment. You always need to be engaging and learning with people. And and if I think about the culmination of the things that I have had exposure to from management, um, leadership, um, creating high performance teams. It actually put me in a, a, a great position um, because I wound up being approached for an opportunity to move across from Auckland to Melbourne um, with the organisation, and so that was so that was quite exciting. So that's why I came to uh, to Melbourne 15 years ago was through was through the recruitment company. What, what was that role that you took up in Melbourne? I set up the on-site recruitment team for Hudson, or technically we were TMP at the time, for Census. So, um, and with a, it's a recruitment process outsourcing model, so RPO, um, which means that the director of HR recognised that his HR team should be focusing on strategy and not some more the repetitive nature of of recruitment, so they outsourced that to to my team, um, which we started with three people. And by the time I moved on, it was closer to grown closer to, to nine or ten. It was it was pretty big. So yeah, it was a it was a it was a real phenomenal opportunity. But you know, with with success comes comes more success and more opportunities. So I know you've moved into a couple of different roles since then. I'd like to sort of move right to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you share even more detail about Victory and yeah, all it's, the different um, parts of it. Yeah, so we, Victory is actually an amazing organisation to work for, and um, and I'm immensely grateful to be here. Um, in fact, I've never worked for an organisation 
um, that is growing at the rate that we are, nor has the capacity or commitment or the collaboration from a senior management team to actually make all of that come true. So it's, um, it's, it's a remarkable organization. Um, the CEO keeps us on our toes and, and he's been pretty open in his desire to have 50 lo 52 locations opened by 2022 and some of those will be domestic and some of those will be uh, international so uh, it's we've got a significant growth rate and I guess um, the focus of my role is really around ensuring that we've got the right culture in place the right behaviors because that's the only thing that's going to anchor that type of sustainable growth we need the right people so that means we need to be bringing the right people into the business and ensuring that they're doing things that are in line with our values and behaviors and that they really live and breathe those and that we are delivering on our um, customer expectations uh, we talk a lot around six-star service and exceeding the benchmark. Um, so for us, that's really around that, that old saying that excellence is a journey, not a destination. And Julie, you've said yourself before that um, an individual's best experience becomes their highest expectation. We live and breathe that every day. I'd just like to explore that a bit further. So how do you go about identifying what their experience is and compared to their expectations and then continuing to raise the bar? Well, I think it's first, it just starts with a conversation. You know, we have to know our clients. The more we know about them and the customers that they serve, the better are we are able to help them and the work that they do. You know, we are in business to mind their business, so to speak. In fact, that's our, that's our motto. We mind your business. Um, so we take a very genuine interest in your business. How is it going? What can we do to enable it further? And we don't, we don't take lightly the responsibility that's been entrusted to us to be that face and voice, that first point of contact that, that we have with your customers. Uh, so it's for us, it's about being very keen to listen to what our customers are saying, also what they're not saying, so seeking feedback, and it's about tracking that. Um, ultimately, I would love to get in, uh, uh, you know, something akin to a net promoter score. You know, that would be great to help us track that. But at the moment, we're very good because we've got, you know, at, at getting that information from our clients because of the relationships that we have. Do you have a particular type of customer that's, that uses uh, your services? You know, I would say in some ways we're agnostic in terms of we actually can facilitate solutions for any, any, um, anybody or any type of organization. Uh, our locations do house um, businesses that have got the names on tops of buildings, and that might be for an overflow reason or for a project reason, um, or they could have their, you know, their facilities being renovated, um, or it could be the fact that you know, an organization is an, S an SME, um, or there's a sole trader, or people who engage us for a, a virtual office. They still want to work from home because that makes sense for them, but they want to be able to have a location in the, in the CBD or any of the offices that we work out of. So we probably have a really good split, um, but you know, we probably do, um, there probably is a common thread with having clients that are in the professional services, financial services, etc., because they do want that premium corporate um, experience for themselves as well as their clients. So 
So what are you learning about yourself as a leader since you've been in this role? Oh, what am I learning about myself? Um, every day in leadership, I think that um, for me, I'm always reminded that whilst the context might change, the solution is much the same or the problem is much the same. It's always about the people. You know, the people are part of the problem, but they're also the solution as well. How are you going to engage them? What are we going to do differently? Um, and for me, my role has a strong mentoring aspect to it. Um, so the challenges of dealing with people remotely. But effectively, with leadership, there, there, there is no cookie-cutter solution. So you actually just have to work each problem on its merits. All right, so we've got a little bit of a, a sense of, you know, starting out and, and, and where you are now. I'd like to get some more general views on, on leadership. What do you think one of the biggest myths about leadership is that you've come across? Or maybe a couple as we spoke about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have just one. Um, as a leader, you never get to say, do as I say, not as I do. You know, leader sets the tone. It's always a re recipe for disaster if an individual thinks that they don't have to model the, uh, the role themselves. Uh, the second big biggest myth would be leaders assuming that change is operational and not behavioral. Well, we've just made the change. How come it's not working? It's because they haven't addressed the behaviors that need to underpin the operational changes. How often have we heard, Julian, that people assume that uh, leadership is linked directly to seniority of a role within an organization? Well, you're a bigger leader than I am. You've got more seniority, so Julian, it's you. It's not me. Well, once again, that's not true. In fact, one of the most powerful leadership roles you can have is leadership of yourself and influencing the people around you. Um, and then lastly, the one, that kind of the, the, the one that came to mind is probably the one that we come across most often, is that people assume that leadership is the same as management. It's just not. They can have some concentric overlapping circles, but um, fundamentally different. So let's start with how would you describe yourself as a leader right now? <laughs> I'm a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> to think that um, that I'm done learning. I think that my skills at this stage are pretty good because I'm good at, with people. I think where I at times am not so good, if we kind of reflect a little bit on strengths and weaknesses, like I'm kind of not a big believer in weaknesses. You know, I'd rather talk about an individual's strengths because that's they're the things that have generated an individual's success. And so with weaknesses, it's about mitigating that. It's about um, how can you work with people who uh, support your shortcomings. So if I pull back and kind of think about you know, myself as a leader now, I'm still not great on patience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really good at that. Um, and my family keeps hoping that I, I might improve someday. Um, but I, I know to work with people who do have that patience, who can um, slow down or work with people who um, perhaps that I'm becoming frustrated with because for whatever reason. So it's about complementing your skill set with the skill sets of others. What are some of the positive leadership traits that you think you display? Oh, many, many. Um, <laughs> I think sometimes leadership's actually quite simple. People try and overcomplicate it, but it's pretty simple. You need to have clarity. You need to collaborate. Um, you need to communicate. And most of all, you need to have trust. You need to be trustworthy, you need to trust people. Um, so those are the things that I hope that I display. 
And do you think that allows you to get the most out of the people around you? Yeah, absolutely. If you're not doing those things at a minimum, I'm not saying that there aren't others that you need as well, but if you're not doing those things at a minimum, yeah, you've created a real situation for yourself, and especially if people don't trust you. So I'm always curious, uh, and it's probably because of the nature of the work that we do, what methodologies, frameworks, models that, that leaders have either come across and use or, yeah. or, or think are really worthwhile yeah. and you spring to mind? Um, for me, absolutely. Like I love Cotter, I love McKinsey, I love those kinds of things. But I'm also, you know, going back to not overcomplicating things. At times there's no need to take a shotgun to a knife fight. So <laughs> I quite like the KISS principle and if I think about a situation, I love a good old-fashioned SWOT analysis um, because it's something that actually helps you to break down the problem. It's actually something that others can easily contribute to. And it can also help you to get to thinking about, well, how can you turn those weaknesses into a strength or those threats into an opportunity? So I, I do like that as a, as a go-to. And then if you have something that's a little bit more complex or dynamic or whatever, then certainly you can go for, for some of the larger tools in the shed. But um, for me, the first go-to is the uh, is a SWOT analysis. Yeah, I think it's a great tool because of its flexibility and application. You can use yeah. it on people, on teams, on businesses, on customers, on yeah. the list goes on. Yeah, it's a holistic framework, isn't it? Yeah. What would you say your biggest leadership challenge is right now? Oh, the biggest challenge I think that um, that I've got, or even the organisation has got, is that we are we're, we have constant change. We've got constant growth, so that means that we're always uh, we're always doing, and it's hard to kind of build in that that opportunity of, of reflection, because you do need that that ability to kind of stop, look, and assess where we're where we're at. But it's a you know it's a it's also an incredibly good challenge to have. You know, I'm not um, I'm not unhappy about it in the slightest, but I think it's something that we need to make sure that you know we're always. Um, we are we ourselves are always exceeding our own benchmark and is the team prepared to meet that challenge well the beautiful thing is is that the short answer is yes um we're nimble we're four years young we're hiring people who are who have high resiliency who do like change uh so it, fundamentally across the board we've got a real sense of of collaboration and let's get this done so that's brilliant um, and if I think about the senior leadership team, no one on that team says, I'm not going to do that, that's not my job. And that's, everybody is prepared to roll up their sleeves and, and get stuck in. And I think that's a real, a real um, attribute of this business. You've mentioned the, the word collaboration a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's been a real deliberate focus for, for the business, for the executive here? I don't know if it's actually a word that we've used overtly, um, but it is certainly the way that we subconsciously go about things. Um, I think it's part of the DNA of everybody here. And fundamentally, uh, you know, it is life's too short to make all of your own mistakes. You know, you certainly can't do things in, in isolation. So if you're going to do what needs to get done and what the business has asked us to do, then collaboration is one of those key things will help see it through. How do you measure your success as a leader? Um, coffee breaks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I do enjoy my coffee. Um, I, for me, if I think about what measures that are that I've set for myself um, as 
as I look to, to the future and over the next four years, it really is around employee retention, employee satisfaction, um, looking at how many people were succession planning into more senior roles. Because all of that is a measure of what my role is, is all about. But equally, it's about our client retention. You know, some clients will move on from us because they've outgrown them. They actually need to go out and get their own office space. I'm looking at how, how we can continue to excite and delight and grow and retain our customers that we've, that we've got. So for me, I keep harping back a little bit to, the, uh, to an NPS. That would be great to have. Is the focus, would you say, more on uh, getting customers or retaining customers? Is that how you're going to achieve your growth through the acquisition or, or getting with the ones that you have, growing what you're doing with those? It's both. And I think it probably depends on, on the life cycle of, of a location. When you've got a brand new location, you know, you're trying to get it to 100% occupancy. But that's only, that's only a part of what a location can do. There's a community of clients that we continue to, to build and grow with. Um, just because they, a, a virtual client may not have a physical office doesn't mean that we don't have a direct impact on, impact on their business and can't collaborate with them further on how can, how can we help enable their business. It might be that we have lunch and learns that they come and engage with and network with other clients. We also do co-working, which is another you know growth phenomenon all on all of its own. So we would have growth from existing clients, um, from them growing, but we certainly would have growth from from new clients. But you know, it's uh, there's a lot of different ways in which we can you know um, engage people with our brand and our business. And you mentioned before about your focus on the, the employee experience. Mm. How do you build their capability? Through a number of ways. Um, we have to, you know, I said before, you have to hire the right people. So it's getting the right behaviours into the business, getting people who are culturally aligned to with what we are. And so we do spend a fair bit of time on our recruitment practices. Um, secondly, you have to set people up for success. So that means really good induction, really good training. And, uh, and making sure that we're always checking in with them and not assuming that things are all right. We've got a fleet of really good managers who are really good at supporting people during their growth and also helping support their career development within the business. Um, we have launched a, a buddying program, if you will, um, and that will morph into a more senior uh, or more formal mentoring program. So there's a number of things that I guess that we do um, to engage with our people, but we also, uh, on the 14th, we just invited everybody out to the Yarra Valley and we got together for a national conference. And I think it's really important to come together and to calibrate, collaborate, um, but also celebrate. You know, and there were a lot of successes across the business. It was a really good opportunity to not reward people as we go throughout the year, but also on a, on a much better, bigger stage. And you mentioned the buddy system and the more, the more formal side of mentoring. Mm. It's obviously a passion of mine. I did write that down as a little <laughs> note of mine. <laughs> yeah. uh, what's your experience been in terms of mentoring, either being a mentor or uh, having a mentor? Yeah, it's it's critical. You need to be both, you know. And I think somebody said, as a leader, you should be a mentor and a mentee. <laughs> Is somebody that you know saying yeah, that? Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, but it, it's it's critical, you know. It's um it's a great barometer, 
You know, I think that, as I said before, we cannot think that we have got all the answers at any one stage in our career, um, and that we always need to be learning, evolving, open to new things, and also having people challenge our thinking. Um, I also think as a mentor, one of the things that always surprised me when I've done it previously is that we forget about the depth and breadth of knowledge that we actually do have that can actually be so powerful and beneficial for somebody else because they can't tap into it. So it is something I would recommend, and whether it's internally within your organization or find people external, every leader should be a mentor. And I've asked this, this question of everyone that I've interviewed so far, and it's quite interesting that the response has been very similar in some ways, and it's all about networking. Mm. I'm a believer that a lot of leaders don't necessarily put as much focus on it as I think they should. What are, you, what are your views on mentoring and how do you go about <laughs> How do I go about, um, how do I go about networking, did you yeah, say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, um, I was a born networker. Um, <laughs> um, I believe in actually ensuring that you network within your own organization. You need to be known and, and, um, and create value internally, but also you need to go out and, and meet with other organizations. And, and that's also another focus of, of my role is going out there and and you know, basically carrying the, the, the banner for the brand. And uh, there's a number of uh, organizations that, um, that we support and engage with. And you know, and it's, it's a phenomenal thing. You know, it's not that difficult to get involved with and you only really probably need to do just one or two, and, but stick with it. You know, going to one networking meeting for some business group or whatever isn't going to yield the results. You know, it's going to take time for people to know you, like you, trust you, and want to do business with you, or or help facilitate leads your way. But it's it's pretty fundamentally um, critical to any leader, I would have thought. So, what does the future hold for you? Oh, what does the future hold for me? Um. Just an exciting next four years. We've got an incredible um, responsibility to, to deliver on, and and the, the most exciting thing about it is it's actually incredibly achievable. It's all right there for us to uh, to, to deliver on. We don't have any barriers internally. Um, the, the the pickup um, from from clients, what we do resonates with them. Um, and that's great. Uh, it's hard to be in business if your clients don't like what you're doing. <laughs> um, so for me, I'm just, you know, this is about uh, delivering on my role, supporting the company, and uh, yeah, just an exciting, uh, exciting period of time that's coming up. I've picked up that you, you, you sound quite excited about having such a, a clear goal to aim for in the time frame. Mm. Do you think the whole organisation is excited about that, that you know, four year sort of high growth plan that you laid out for us? I think for me, um, I do like having some specificity of what I'm heading towards because also with a SWOT analysis, I love a good old backwards plan. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a, you can pace yourself, it's a run rate, you've got expectations, you've got milestones. Um, for me, there's nothing um, less motivating or unfulfilling than aimlessly going towards some unspecified target. How do you know that you've got there? How do you measure your success? Uh, how do you keep yourself accountable? So I would much rather have, you know, a, 
you know, uh, an incredible target, which seems a little bit surreal um, and phenomenal, but I'd far better have that than have nothing, or even worse, having something that's, that's not aggressive. What challenges do you think your industry sector is going to have over the next four years, as an example? I think, um, uh, I think every industry is up for some disruption, and um, uh, we're, we're newcomers to this industry, and we're part of, the, we're part of that disruption. Um, but we're not the only impact on that. Um, you know, we've also fighting the battle of definition. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, uh, late last year there was a um, stat that came around that, according to one of the you know economic groups here in Melbourne, there were 179 co-working spaces, three kilometres within uh, the CBD of Melbourne. And I was thinking, 179. Wow. And then I pulled back and kind of ah. Definition. It's all in the definition. Because I can have a dodgy cafe with some free Wi-Fi and two rickety tables towards the back and call myself co-working. So you know, I think I think that um, we will have a, a significant role to play within this industry. But we're not so concerned about that. What really what we are concerned about is running our own race. And ensuring that we're delivering on on our promise to our to our clients, whether they're external or internal, and that's about exceptional service. Seems to have been the real banner cry in terms of the service. Well, it is one of the books I'm I'm loving at the moment is by Tony Shea. You know, you come across Tony. Tony is the guy that started. Um, well, he sold his first business called Link Exchange to Microsoft in. It was 98, and I think it was only for about 265 million dollars. Um, Eleven years later, he sold Zappos to Amazon for a lazy 1.2 billion dollars, and it was a shoe company, a Bloomin' Online shoe company. Hardly, hardly, you know, inventing the wheel, slicing the loaf of bread, or whatever. But what he did do, and he made it a mantra, is to differentiate through impeccable customer service. And that just wasn't for the people outside of the business, that was equally, if not more so, the people within the business. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great read, um, it's very in line with what it is that, that we're doing. And, you know, it's, it's fascinating. And I already took some of the, um, the stories of, wow, love that. So it's just a way to keep acknowledging the success that happens within within the business. You know, his call center doesn't have average call handling times because he would rather have, if you've got a customer on the phone for eight to ten minutes, he thinks that is the best money spent right then as opposed to an advertising campaign because you're actually having real-time conversations with your customer. You know, once again, keep it simple, brilliant, exceed the benchmark. Are there any leaders that you either look up to or that inspire you? Yeah, I think um, you know Tony for me is a little bit of the flavor of the of the month. Um, we recently had Chris Helder speak at our at our company conference. He's great. I enjoy you a great deal as well, Julian. <laughs> Looking forward to reading your new book. Um, I'm sure I feature prominently. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, I think that for me, I actually take inspiration from the people around me. I also recognize that with leadership that it can be draining. 
So I liken leadership a little bit to, to cycling in a velodrome. You know, you've got the teams going around and they're sprinting, I don't know, Mach 1, I don't know how fast they get in the velodrome, but it looks darn fast on TV. But you've got people out in front and then they come to the back and, and they let other people carry the weight while they draft behind. And I think as a leader, we need to be doing that. You actually need to, the people that you're mentoring and working with, allow them the opportunity to have the spotlight, to be on point. It gives you the, the opportunity to coach them on, um, and giving them the trust to fail. You know, that's pretty important. People need to have the ability to give something a go. They're not always going to get it right, but you're going to be right there because you need to recharge your batteries. And where can people find out more about you and about Victory? Oh, Victory offices. You can find us on our website, which is vcso.com.au, and I'm on LinkedIn. So reach out, connect. Any last words on leadership? One of, the, one of my favorite definitions of leadership is really something I came across from Kevin Cruz, um, who wrote a book called Employee Engagement 2.0. don't know if you came across that, and I haven't kind of come across it either, but you know, I do a, a fair bit of reading, or even more specifically, a fair bit of skimming, because <laughs> <laughs> at times my attention span won't hold me for an entire book. Um, but one of the things that he said was that leadership is the process of social influence which maximizes the efforts of others towards the achievement of a goal. And I actually thought that was brilliant in its simplicity because it doesn't speak anything around the fact that people report to you. Because oftentimes, and certainly in modern organizations, you don't have a hard line to somebody. You're trying to get people on board um, or organizations where you're across multiple divisions and you're trying to uh, achieve a, a common outcome. So um, I'll leave that last little definition of, of leadership with you. Well, thanks, Wendy, for uh, being a part of the podcast. All the best. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Synergy and Leadership Podcast. I trust you found it interesting. A couple of things. If you could go online and leave a review of the podcast, that would be great. Really help us in uh, spreading awareness of the podcast. Happy for you to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find. And if you want to shoot me through an email, julian at synergygroup.com.au. Uh, see you next time.